All right. Uh, hey, everybody. Uh, this is uh, Jordan McConnell, uh, host of the Crohn's Veteran Podcast. Uh, I'm joined by my uh, co-host, Renika Wood and CJ Cabrera. Hi, guys. Hello. Um, Hello. We have a very special guest that we're super, that we're super grateful to have here. Um, you know, she's a uh, Crohn's disease fighting mom and also a uh, former news lady that we're excited to talk to, uh, Natalie Hayden. Hi there. Hey, thanks so much for the warm welcome. I appreciate it. I'm so excited to be a part of the show. Definitely. Thank you. You're very, you're very welcome. Very welcome. And um, so yeah, I would, I'll um, you know, kind of uh, I get right down to it. And so, uh, you know, the first thing that's on my mind is, you know, uh, if you could tell our listeners, you know, who Natalie is, and you know, your your Crohn's story, and and yeah, and just yeah, just you know, you know yeah, your your Crohn's journey. Absolutely. So I just celebrated, I guess you could put that in quotes since you guys understand uh, what that diagnosis anniversary is like, but I just celebrated 15 years since my Crohn's diagnosis. I was diagnosed at age 21. I'm 36 now. I was diagnosed with Crohn's disease about two and a half months after graduating from college. I went to Marquette University in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, and I had hopes and dreams of being a television news anchor and reporter um, until graduation. That's what I always wanted to do. But then I was blindsided with all of these symptoms, you know, high fevers, fatigue, uh, pain every time I ate or drank anything, you know, all the typical tall tale signs of IBD. And I ended up going to the emergency room um, July 23rd, 2005. And I was actually diagnosed in the emergency room, which not many people have that uh, experience. <laughs> oh, were you also? Yes, yes, I was. I met somebody else. Yeah, so, you know, so we're emergency Crohn's disease buddies. So. Oh, wow, that's amazing. So yeah, they um, did a CT scan of my abdomen and a rectal exam. And the doctor walked in and he said, you know, it looks like you have Crohn's disease. You're malnourished. You're dehydrated. Um, you have bleeding going on. You're going upstairs, getting admitted immediately. You're getting a colonoscopy tomorrow to confirm the diagnosis. Wow. And from that point forward, my life changed. And I was 21. Um, with nowhere to turn and thinking, will I ever be able to fulfill my dreams of being a television news anchor and reporter? Will anybody ever love me? Will I ever have kids? You know, all of the typical questions. Um, And it was really, really difficult to come to terms with being given a disease diagnosis for which there's no cure at such a young age. What age were you guys Especially, Especially for life. Yes, exactly. Yeah, um, me uh, me personally, um, I was 14 in ninth grade. And so... (sighs) And uh, Renika, oh. I, I am thirty plus plus now. Uh, I was twenty seven. Twenty seven. I was uh, twenty four, I believe. Yeah, so it's those formative years that make it so difficult because whether you're a teenager, a child, or in your twenties, um, you're you're kind of at a crossroads from being a kid to being an adult, and mm-hmm. you're kind of trying to learn who you are, and then you're given this whole new identity, and you have to come to terms with that. And I think it's such a struggle too with trying to inform your peers and your friends and keep up with everybody in your social circle, and then your family, and you're trying to please everybody and, and appear strong. Um, when maybe you're you're feeling so weak that you can't even stand up on your own. So it's been a tough journey, but at the same time, I've had a lot of gratitude through the last 15 years. It's given mm-hmm. me a great perspective about life, about empathy and compassion for others. I went on to get my first TV job in Minnesota. Three months after diagnosis, I moved away from all family and friends, eight hours away on 22 pills a day, uh, worked as a television producer at an ABC station, and then went on to work in TV for the next decade and ended up as a morning news anchor the last seven years of my television uh, professional job. So 
uh, I was able to achieve those dreams despite my illness. So one of my main pillars in my advocacy is to show that just because you have this disease does not mean you can't work full time, does not mean you can't achieve your dreams. Sure, you might be at a different timeline or things might be a little bit different than you had anticipated, but you can still do all the things just in a different way. That's totally agreeable. I, yeah, I definitely that. agree with that, Adele. And, you know, and thank you for sharing your story. It's, you know, as we all know, it's, you know, it's not easy to talk about. And, you know, I think you know, anybody that, you know, can talk about it and, you know, raise awareness is a pretty awesome person in our industry. Yeah, I'm just always grateful for podcasts like yours and people that are really branching out and being a voice for those who are suffering in silence. Because as we all know, everybody has their own timeline when they feel comfortable sharing their journey publicly. And that's okay if you're suffering in silence because we've all been there. It took me 10 years to come out about my illness. But once you do you know, get out there, and I'm sure you guys feel this way too, you open yourself up to so much support when you start yeah. sharing what you're going through. Yeah, that's true. What yes, was your... Um, I'm sorry, Joe. You got a question, Jordan? You have a question? Oh, yeah. I was just, I was gonna say you're absolutely absolutely right. <laughs> but um, but uh, go ahead, Renega. Yeah, I was gonna say like, what was your um, your motivation or your encouragement that you got to where you want to start sharing ten years ago? Like, did something happen in your life yeah, to where that moment, like I want to share my life story? Like, what was going on with you at that time? Yeah, so I left the news desk in November 2014. And at that point, when I started working in corporate America, I wasn't in the spotlight anymore. I thought, you know what? I have all these years of journaling behind me. I love to write. I, I feel comfortable speaking. I love to talk to large groups of people. Why don't I take those skills and put them into advocacy and be a voice that I so desperately needed to hear upon diagnosis? Mm -hmm. So once I was off of the news desk and not, you know, working on TV every single morning, I felt safe and comfortable um, in my private life to share what was going on with me with others. And I think that Looking back, I wish I would use the platform of being on TV, you know, to share my Crohn's journey. If I could go back in time, I wish I could have shared it from the beginning, but I didn't feel comfortable. I didn't want people to say, oh, Natalie, the sick news anchor, or right. she's looking for sympathy. You know, people can be real keyboard warriors online. And when yes. you're in TV, uh, many people say really ruthless comments, whether it's about your hair, your makeup, your outfit. And I didn't want to throw a disease in the mix um, because as we all know, IBD can be embarrassing. People aren't educated about it oftentimes. And the lack of awareness can make people think, oh, she just goes diarrhea all the time. Right. And we know that's simply not the case. Mm -hmm. Right. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. It's, I mean, it's <laughs> a full spectrum. And so, yeah, the full, full spectrum of symptoms that, yeah, that's just, that's just, you know, possibly one of them type things. So, one of the but, hundred um, things. Yeah, but, uh, yeah, but uh, CJ, uh, what's on your mind? What's on my mind is, um, when did you feel like it was the right time for you to start a family? And did, were you scared? Yeah, how was, really how was all question. of that for you? Yeah, so when I, my husband and I got engaged in June 2015, and unfortunately, you know, I'm on top of the world, I'm planning a wedding, all of a sudden I had my third bowel obstruction in 16 months, about three weeks after we got engaged. So here I am planning a wedding, feeling so excited, but I was so, so sick. And I ended up getting 18 inches of my small intestine removed. I had bowel resection surgery, um, mm -hmm. my appendix, my diverticulum, which is a congenital issue that can happen in your intestines that you're not really aware of until they go inside and do surgery. But right. I had that August 1st, 2015. So I'm coming up on my five-year anniversary of that. And that surgery... I was so petrified for because I never had surgery. Oh. I went a decade without needing surgery, but it gave me a fresh start. Surgery is not a cure, but it, if they're able to get the disease out of your body, you're, you're mm. able to start from scratch pretty much. You know, that autoimmune condition, that disease is still going on. Those symptoms 
the manifestations that are, you know, extra intestinal are still there, but my abdominal pain, they were able to rid me of that. And yes, I I still do have pain sometimes, but I've been in surgical remission for almost five years um, next week. So that surgery changed my life. And I was two months into our engagement at that point, planning a wedding. And we knew, we didn't know how long that remission was going to last. I had never been told I was in remission prior to that. So we said, you know, on our wedding night, we got to start moving forward with our lives. Um, So we tried right away and we were able to get pregnant um, a month after we got married. So kids right away. (laughs) You had no complications with the... I had zero complications. Um, There's often what's called the rule of thirds with pregnancy and IBD. So one third of women get better, one third get worse, and one third stay the same. The key is going into pregnancy, having your disease in a calm state. If you go into pregnancy and you're flaring or you're a little symptomatic here and there, that can often carry through throughout the pregnancy. So since I was in that surgical remission, that carried through with both of my pregnancies. And I felt like I didn't even have IBD both pregnancies. I had all the typical pregnancy symptoms, which made up for it almost. But what's so different that the clarity that IBD gives you is that when you're pregnant, you know, you're throwing up or nauseous or, you know, feeling tired, you know, in nine months, I'm going to have the greatest gift and this is over. Whereas with Crohn's and you're nauseous and you're throwing up and you have abdominal pain, you think, okay, I'm having this for the rest of my life. There's no end in sight. Uh, One question. Were you, uh, did it ever occur to you or pass your mind that you could possibly pass your kids like uh, IBD or anything? Were you scared at all? It's a big fear for so many people and it's understandable. Um, I did some research before I got pregnant just because I was curious, you know, my husband's perfectly healthy. He doesn't have one health condition. He's one of those humans you look at and you're like, you haven't gone to the doctor in how many years? Um, You're on medicine. How do you function like this? It's like a superhuman person. So he's perfectly healthy. And when only one of the parents has IBD, there's really only a four to 10% chance that it is passed on to the child. And there are circumstances and stories, of course. I know many families where the parent passes it on to maybe all of their kids or none of the kids get it. But to me, I thought, you know what? It would break my heart and, you know, God willing, both of my kids won't have IBD, but you have to think of yourself as a warrior. And when you think of yourself in that mindset and you think, you know what, God forbid my children do get Crohn's or ulcerative colitis, who's going to be their best advocate and understand what they're going through more than you as a parent. I think it's actually worse when the child has it, but the parents are completely healthy and they're like, we know nothing about Crohn's. We know nothing about UC. Yeah. Where do we turn from here? Mm. Whereas we're empowered because we live that life. We know what they say when their tummy hurts. We know what that feels like. Mm. We know what that constant stress is, you know, the unpredictability of the disease. We know all of those, you know, different parts of manifestations that can happen with the illness that an average person may not know. So I take it day by day. I do think when you are an IBD parent, if they're going to the bathroom a lot, or if they complain about their stomach hurting, you know, my, my son's in the middle of finishing potty training, thank God. And, you know, there were a few weeks there where he wouldn't eat dinner and he'd say, mommy, my tummy hurts. And then you start thinking, is this because I say my tummy hurts or is it because he's potty training or is there an issue? So, I mean, we started getting kind of nervous because it became like a daily thing and, you know, I'm keeping a close eye on it. And if it does persist, he hasn't said anything in weeks, but if he starts talking about it more, it might be something I bring up to my pediatrician and my GI just to say, you know, what do we do from here? Is there anything we can do to explore this further? I think you're just always kind of on your A game and watching like a hawk to, you know, what symptoms to watch out for, you know? So I think that as a parent, you just have to be extra careful and mindful of those things, but don't let, if you want to be a parent, like don't let your IBD stop you from that. Right. It's been real heavy on my mind. I'm not going to lie to you. <laughs> I'm sure, especially, I think I wish, and I'm so glad that there's two men on this podca- podcast because 
there's often the male voice is lacking in the IBD family and the IBD community. There's so many female advocates out there, but we need to empower men to feel like they can share that's, their journey. Yeah, um, and and especially here. black men, you know, and I think that that's such an important conversation right now. And um, I'm featuring Melody Blackwell on my blog, Lights, Camera, Crohn's on Monday. And I'm awesome. trying to do everything I can to amplify the black voice in the IBD community because IBD does not just look like me. It is imperative that we show people in the community that this affects brown people, black people, everybody, you know, and you guys need to be represented as equally as I am. So that is something that I'm really, really passionate about and something that I'm just so thrilled about to be part of this conversation that you guys brought me on this on this show to talk about. Because I think especially men feel, you know, they don't want to share, share what they're going through. They often downplay their pain. They're very private. Um, and I'm not trying to stereotype, but I'm just, from my experience as an advocate, when I have mothers come to me with sons that have IBD or just men in general, husbands, you know, dads, they privately talk about it with me, but they don't have a Facebook page or an Instagram that they're right. sharing their journey on. And I, I just want to implore them to know that I think we need more male voices. It's so powerful to hear from a dad perspective. It's not just the IBD mom that's mm -hmm. important. The dad goes through many, many things. They may not have to carry the child, but they have to do, you know, much less taking care of the child. What's it like, you know, raising a family when you have IBD? Yeah, I mean, I don't even think I've even seen, I mean, there's very few IBD, uh, IBD dads, you know, on, on the, you know, on Instagram or any of that kind of stuff. And that's, you know, my story is that, you know, speaking of having to kind of answer CJ's question too, like, you know, the plan for us was to, um, was to not kind of not have kids or not force it type, you know, type, you know, type thing. I was like, well, I was like, kids, like, I'm tired now type How am I going to take care of a child when exactly. I'm too to take care of my own body? Um, yeah. But you just almost, there children are the greatest motivator for you in your yeah. illness because oftentimes you know, I'm in the bathroom or I'm tired. I'm a stay at home mom. I do my advocacy stuff on the side from home without childcare help. And, you know, I think when I wake up in the morning, how am I going to do this today? You know, my stomach's hurting me. I'm in the bathroom 10 times. I've got them at my feet playing, but you get through it. And I think I look at them and I think I got to be strong for them. I do my injection. And I think I got to be strong for her. You know, mm -hmm. it's a constant distraction that also makes you stronger having a child. It's, it's, yeah. It's really hard to put into words. I, I agree because in, in a way, I'm, I don't want to say my dog is my child, but he's low-key my child. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, when I was going through it, um, I wanted like a support. I wanted like a support dog, but um, I was I was actually going through a little flare at the time, and I didn't know if I could take care of it, but at the time, I really, really just needed something to cling on to because I was losing it. <laughs> yeah, so and I, I adopted a dog and, you know, yeah. he pushed me out of that. And, and they truly changed your life. I lost my dog who was really like my support dog. I lost him in February and I have not had a Sorry, flare because I've been in remission. Thank you. And I'm petrified for when I have my next flare up and I don't have my dog Hamilton with me. He was with me for 10 plus years, you know, surgery recovery, bowel obstruction recovery, hospital visits, everything. I mean, he was my life. I rescued him on live TV. Um, I was doing a Humane Society interview and wow. they brought on this, this little chihuahua and he was brindle coat and so cute. And I had never had a dog and he was on my lap and I said, I'm going to adopt this dog. And they were like, <laughs> and he was my buddy. He was sold on the street for $10 wow. and they said, the shelter named him Hamilton because they said, what's on a $10 bill? And it's Alexander Hamilton. Mm -hmm. So they named him Hamilton. I added James because he's very regal. Mm -hmm. And um, he was my life, you know, before I had kids, before I had my husband, he was my support animal. And I think animals can provide such a sense of comfort with IBD. 
um, it's almost like they're a, a living heating pad. They right. just know when to go on your stomach when you're feeling sick. They know how to just brighten up the mood and be there for you when you're so sick. So I'm so glad you had that support. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, same here. Like we have a we have a blind ten pound poodle that they hangs out with us. So, <laughs> so it's, it's, it's like my um my stepmom and my baby sisters um or younger sister's dog and stuff. And so kind of took it kind of just been taking care of her ever since. So they make a big difference. Mm-hmm. It's unbelievable. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, I like, yeah, so, so that's awesome. I mean, so like so I'm yeah, so um yeah, so how did you, you know, balance, you know, your symptom, you know, when you're you know, being, you know, being you know, a news lady and stuff and, you know, and doing all these stories and, you know, all these, you know, I'm sure getting up, getting up at oh, dark 30 in the morning and all that kind of stuff, to, you know, to be at places and things like that. And so, you know, how did you, you know, balance, you know, your, you know, your symptoms and, you know, you know with that lifestyle? Well, the television lifestyle is interesting whether or not you have a chronic illness or not. But mm-hmm. um, with Crohn's, it can be extremely complicated because, as you guys know, it's so unpredictable that one minute you can be feeling fine. And then when you work in TV and you're sitting on a news desk for four plus hours at a time on live TV in front of thousands of people, mm-hmm. you can't just get up and go to the bathroom. You can't, you know, sit down like this if your stomach's hurting. You have to sit, you know, straight up, good posture, a smile on your face. You want to be the bubbly morning girl, but you could be having a pain level of a nine going on. So there were definitely moments like that where they would switch the camera shot, you know, the weather guy or my co-anchor and I would cower down and kind of like hold my stomach or they would change my television shot. So instead of having me stand up against a wall and walk with my scripts and talk to the camera, I would just stay put. Uh, But it was all strategically done. Luckily, I was able to just kind of push through and I just didn't allow it to, I kind of just kept it pushed back all the time. Um, and I put on a face and, and most people that are on TV, you know, you want to be yourself, but it's almost like a different personality. It's like you become somebody else and you're almost acting in a lot of ways. So it kind of was a way for me to not be myself in a lot of ways and just kind of put on a mask and put on and feel empowered that I knew what was going on, but nobody else did. Um, my co-anchors and my coworkers knew what was happening, but the viewers didn't. And it, it was, it made me feel strong to know, you know, I might have a bowel obstruction at dinner time, but I anchored the morning news show today. I killed it. Nobody knew what was going on. And I got right. to live my dream today and love every minute of it. So it made me feel like I had control of my illness, even though I didn't at times. Um, and I was just very careful about what I did. I never drank coffee, even though I got up at 1.30 a.m. every day for seven Smart. <laughs> yeah, because even now as a mom, I drink it because I'm like, you know what? I have two little ones. I'm home. I don't care if I go to the bathroom 10 times. I need my coffee. (laughs) But back then, you know, as a 24 year old and I'm just on my own, I'm anchoring the news. I I had so much energy. I'm a very high energy person. So people would be like, you don't drink any coffee. I'm like, I'm almost scary on coffee. I get like so hyper (laughs) that I didn't even need coffee. Um, But I just didn't drink coffee. I ate very light, like for breakfast, I wouldn't really eat much. And then on the news desk behind me, I would just have like dry cereal or, you know, some safe foods. I won't be eating like fruit and things like that. Um, I would just keep it very bland while I was on the air. And I never had to run off the news desk to use the bathroom in 10 years. No no commercial breaks, emergency commercial breaks. That would be a big fear of mine. You're wearing your microphone. I'm like, who knows what? Okay, go to commercial real quick. Wow, Sorry, that's, that's, that's extremely impressive. You know, they, they see like, you know, everybody here knows like just how big of a feat that really is. Yeah, and I looking back, like now that I've had my surgery, because they took what's called my ileocecal valve, which is what lets you hold it. Now when I have to go, like I have to go. Like there are times I like run through oh, my. Yeah, I think I had that same. I think I had that same. 
I think I, I think it's like, yeah, like ilium. Ilium. Yeah. Yeah, so yep. like, yeah, I, that's what happened to me too. Like I had like I've had, I've had like 24 inches of my colon removed and then wow. like, my, my appendix removed and then uh, the ilium removed. And so yeah, so I'm pretty much in the same boat. Like if I need to go, you know, if I'm not on my medication or whatever, if I need to go to the bathroom, it's like you know now, you know. To yes, exactly. And that wasn't how I used to be prior to surgery. So I think I could kind of be like. I have some time, you know, now it would, mm -hmm. I probably wouldn't be able to do that on the news desk. Um, and uh, I just kind of just powered through it. And I love, I've always loved health reporting and medical reporting. And it was just really awesome to be able to share medical and health stories and give people hope. And I think when you're a chronic illness patient, you're able to have a different level of empathy for others. So being a television reporter, just, you know, going to somebody's house when they're going through something terrible or, you know, somebody fighting cancer, you know, I can't quite understand what you're going through but I can in some ways understand what it's like to deal with the diagnosis or struggle through pain and all of those things. So I think that we almost have a leg up a lot of ways on other people and the ability to empathize and have compassion for others that you learn along the way. Definitely, definitely. Did you ever face discrimination as a IBD person in, the, in your field? Luckily, because I only shared it, you know, once I got the job, I think now that, you know, if I were to try to work at whether it's corporate or TV, if somebody Googled my name, there's IBD everywhere. That's all I'm associated Ooh, with really okay. anymore. <laughs> so I'd be interested to see what a job search would go like after I've been public now, because previously with television stations, when I worked in corporate America, I worked at a PR agency in downtown Chicago. I'm from Chicago. Mm -hmm. Um, I wouldn't say anything until I was in that first meeting with my boss, you know, through the interview process. I never talked about my IBD. I don't think you should. I don't think you should be judged off that at all. And it's not, it shouldn't be a deal breaker. And if it is, then that's legally not right, of course. <laughs> but once I would get the job and I'd have my first day and they would walk me through and give me, you know, a tour and all that stuff, I'd sit down with my boss and say, look, I have something called Crohn's disease and I'd educate him or her on what I go through just to make sure they know, you know, someday I might need to work from home or I might need some different accommodations because it's really in your best interest to communicate that with your employer once you have the job because they might think, oh, she's lazy or she's sitting weird in her chair. She's not sitting up straight or there were times in meetings when I was in corporate America where I had to unbutton my pants. I was bloated so much and in so much pain. Mm. And because my team knew that I had Crohn's, we would make it like a laughing matter. And I would joke with everybody in the room and say, sorry, guys, I got to unbutton my pants right now. <laughs> weird, but it's necessary. But if you don't, Say that you have IBD and you're just like sitting back in your chair like this or looking dejected or whatever it is. You know how it is as we're going through the pain and everything. Right. People are going to look at you with less than. But the exactly. minute that you communicate with what you have, I never dealt with any, like everybody, my bosses, my coworkers was so understanding. They were rallying around me in each and every job that I had. And I was really grateful for that support because our work families, I know life is different now with the pandemic, but when you work in an office, whatever that may be, our work family, we see them more than our real family. So yeah. it's really in your best interest to make sure they are aware of, you know, I'm not feeling as well today as I typically do, or my pain level is like at a seven right now. I've had to leave work before and go straight to the hospital. Um, so my coworkers in different jobs have seen me, you know, throwing up in the garbage can in the middle of the newsroom and my co-anchor once had to drive me in the middle of the night. They almost didn't even know how they were going to have a newscast because I was supposed to anchor it and I was in a hospital bed in the emergency room and nobody knew how to produce the show and it was, it was stressful, you know, you're like live from the ER type thing, so. Exactly. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but um, yeah, Renika, you're going to say something? Yeah, because I'm saying like in your profession, it's like you are the one that they expect to be there all the time. And when you have that type of 
um, the type of uh, pressure on you. It's kind of like you have to perform always. But I find it very um, encouraging to know that you went through all those trials, tribulations, still maintain your professionalism, your profession, doing what you were doing, and becoming a, a, why you've been a warrior, and now using your voice to advocate for persons that's out here that cannot speak for themselves. And we are, we discussed before that, we are learning more about uh, Crohn's in regards to it being publicized now. Like on television, you see commercials about it now. A couple years ago, I never see a commercial for no Stalara on television. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, they're, they're all dancing, they're and like, they're all Ooh. like side effects include death, and I'm just like, <laughs> <laughs> wow, come on! It's amazing to know how things are transitioning. I think with the Crohn's, you mentioned about, I think with Melanie later on, um, with Crohn's, and I think for me being African American female, my diagnosis came later on in life when I was diagnosed first with ulcerative colitis. It took me about five years getting in correct diagnosis of Crohn's. So for five years, I was getting medications, mm. hospitalization, surgeries. I never had a, a uh, diagnosis of Crohn's until about five years ago. So I was halfway, five years I had, I had UC, five years I had Crohn's. But I had Crohn's the whole time, you know. It's complicated. It's a, yeah. Go through that whole diagnosis journey again and relearn, you know, what does this mean for me? Of course, UC and Crohn's are very similar, but it's different to say, I have Crohn's, I have UC because of where it is in the body and things like that. And you have to kind of think, is that all just a lie? What did I just go through for five years? I agree with that because when I had it, no one could, t when I'm, no one could tell me what the difference was between the two. All they said was one affect the ileum, one affect the sigmoid. I said, what is the ileum and what is the sigmoid? Tell me, what does this mean? <laughs> I had to do my own personal research and understand the kind of problems I have and not be the kind that Jordan has or the kind that you have. See, they have UC, so our problems affect our body parts differently. When I start to learn and read my charts from, from my hospital at Duke, because Duke gave me, I love Duke, thank you, Duke, yes. Duke gave me my stuff, so when I go down there, they know what I'm coming in for. I can give them an adequate how I feel, what I need. Ms. Wood, what do you need today? I need this medication, please. Thank you. Well, it makes all the difference when they know what they need to treat, where they need to treat, and with precision medicine and everything nowadays, that makes a big difference for your diseases and how it makes you feel ultimately in your day-to-day -day life. So that's huge when they're able to finally say, wait a minute, this is incorrect. We need to be treating you this way. Yes. So you're in remission right now. Are you on any type of biologics right now? Yeah, so I have been on Humira for almost, well, over 12 years now. Uh, July was my anniversary of that. So since wow. uh, July 2008, I have done Humira every single, every other Monday. Um, and I was put on Humira because in July 2008, 4th of July weekend, I was hospitalized in Chicago with um, an abscess the size of a tennis ball in my small intestine. Oh, wow. And at that point, I was only on six pills a day. I was on uh, six eights a call a day. And I'll never forget, my doctor walked in and he said, Natalie, we got to break out the big guns. You're taking vitamins right now, practically. Um, like Flintstone dinosaur vitamins is what he said. We need to either do Humira or Remicade because those were the only two biologics on the market back then. And at the time I was a morning news anchor in Wisconsin and I was so private, I said, I cannot sit in an infusion center and see my people in the community seeing me getting an IV with medication. Mm -hmm. No brainer. I've got to do it from the comfort of my home. I need to do an injection. So Back then, before they made it the citrate-free, pain-free formula, it was extremely excruciating pain. And I did that for a decade. Um, and that loading dose of back then, it was four injections of that painful formula. And it made me really sick for the first three months. But then 
Luckily, my body acclimated. Um, I, it hasn't been, you know, perfect the last 12 years. I've had several bowel obstruction surgery while on it, all of those things, but I haven't built up any antibodies and it has been able to maintain my remission and keep me well, I'd say the majority of my days. So I have been able to stay on it for this long, which I'm extremely grateful for. That's really awesome. That's really awesome. Well, Never. right. <laughs> and now well, it doesn't hurt at all. It feels like less than a flu shot. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. I mean, um, yeah, I was in the, you know, in the air force. And so I actually got, um, it was like a, and like an anthrax and like an anthrax. Um, oh. Yeah. The anthrax shots and stuff. And so those, are, those were like, you know, liquid, butter liquid shots lava, you know, going, you know, going into your arms. And so I, and I got about, I think four or five of those over like several months before I deployed and stuff. And so wow, that was, probably shifted your perspective greatly too. Oh, having I, I still got the little the little uh, thing that popped up for my anthrax right, on my shoulder, right. bro. That's wild. Yeah, it's, it's, it's like my thing mutated too. Like they had to put a patch on it and everything. And it's still on there. <laughs> I look at it every day. But um, but um. Yeah, but I mean, so, I mean, yeah, that's that, that's kind of my belief. You know, anybody with you know Crohn's disease, you know, after hearing that, you know, that you're giving yourself those shots, those painful shots for you know for so long, um, you know, that's why you know Crohn's Crohn's better is just that you know anybody who's you know has this has this condition has earned their stripes. You know, you know, you're you're warriors, you're fighters. You know, and um, so that's that that definitely applies to you too. And so yeah, whether you do your injections or you get an infusion, no matter what type of medication you take. I mean, it's a constant battle, I think, too, because even though it's helping you, you're thinking, you hear those commercials like we were talking about, and that might be the biologic you're on that's working wonders for your Crohn's or your UC, but then you hear those side effects and it's almost like, la, 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 I don't want to hear that, you know? Mm -hmm. the, the, the benefit outweighs the risk immensely across the board, but at the same time, you always have it in the back of your mind, you know, what is this going to do to me down the road? You just never know how your body's going to respond. So I think hearing those commercials, while it spreads great awareness for our illnesses, just people hearing Crohn's and you see when years ago you never heard anything about it. Mm -hmm. I think that that's a big win for us. But at the same time, having that advertised all the time and constantly hearing that, the advertisers and people may not think, you know, what is this doing to the psyche of the patient who is on these drugs? And of course, they have to state legally what the side effects are. But it's hard when we know what the side effects are, but we have to keep right. hearing it when we're watching our favorite show on TV. And then yeah. it kind of makes you sad when you hear all those things. Mm. And um, even being on it for 12 years and seeing those commercials for years, it doesn't diminish it. Every time you hear it, it's still kind of painful a little bit. Right. Right. Have you had any side effects? Sorry, Renika. Have you had any side effects from your medication? I have been one of the lucky ones with Humira where I have not had side effects. And I know some people have, you know, what they call the Humira headache or, you know, they get a rash or itchiness around the infection or maybe a lot of fatigue. Um, I, when I am doing well, like how I am in remission these past five years, I do them on Mondays. I can't tell when my last shot was, when my next shot is. I give the shot and like nothing happened to me. You know, I'm just kind of on cruise control right now. When I'm in a flaring state or symptomatic, you know, those last maybe two to three days before my injection, I might start feeling a gnawing pain in my abdomen where I say, oh, my shot's due on Monday. Good thing. Um, mm -hmm. But when I'm in remission, luckily I've been pretty good. You know, I think this summer maybe I've had like three or four bad pain days where I felt a little bit debilitated by it, but overall, the majority of my time, and people often say, what is remission? I always put it in quotes, because it doesn't mean you feel perfect every day. It's no. when the majority of your, your life, the good days outweigh the bad days. And there are some people who will never achieve remission. And I say achieve, 
um, in a weird way because it's not something that is anything that I did different than anything you did. Mm -hmm. And just because you might not hear I'm in remission doesn't mean you're doing a phenomenal job at navigating your illness. Um, it took me so many years and ultimately I didn't do anything on my own. It was cut out of my body and right. the medication has been able to maintain that remission. Um, something that my GI told me was if you stay off your medicine, because that's what I wanted to do after surgery, I was feeling so fantastic. She said, if you stay off your Humira and all these other medications, your disease is so aggressive, you're going to be back in surgery in about three to four years. Is that what you want to do? And I was sobbing in the, in the doctor's office because I had this thought in my mind for the first time ever, I was going to be off my biologic. I was done with it. And then I got brought back to earth here for a second. And I thought, you know what, I'd rather maintain my remission and stay strong and healthy. Um, so it does feel kind of weird when you're injecting a biologic, when you pretty much feel normal most yeah. of the time. Um, but I think that it's important to know that medication is not a failure on your part by any means. And I think social media makes it challenging because you see so many accounts and it's great for the people that have the luxury of treating their illness without medication. But for many of us, we don't have that option. So don't, if you're listening and you're on a medication and you really just want to go paleo or you really want to do the SCD diet or mm. you want to do what she's doing or he's doing, don't compare yourself. I think the comparison game because yeah, of Instagram it's definitely makes not it healthy. challenging. You know, Disney, know you have a Crohn's and a life in general type, you know, type thing. You know, exactly. You know, there's so many parallels, you know. Oh, yeah, I was, I, I was actually going to... Um, you know, kind of you know, wrap things up here. It's been about a half an hour, I think. And so, and so, um, you know, so I, I wanted, you know, wanted you, you know, to give you one final opportunity you know, to kind of, you know, shout out, you know, um, you know, what you're currently working on and, uh, and where people can find you, Natalie. Absolutely. So my blog is Lights, Camera, Crohn's, an unobstructed view. I just had my four-year anniversary for my blog. I've shared fresh content every single Monday since I launched my blog. And when I say fresh, fresh content, it's new articles that have never been seen every single week. And what I really love doing is amplifying the voices of others. So I feel like if I just wrote about my own patient experience, it can get kind of boring. So I sprinkle in different voices each month. So I'll have guest writers or I'll feature somebody that I come across that appears newsworthy to me or I'll, you know, just be driving and a story idea will come to mind. I think that's kind of where the journalist, it's always a part of you. You know, I'm always thinking about the next story. I have an editorial calendar that's built out months, months from now um, so that I make sure that I have all my boxes checked um, and that I'm able to give content to people every Monday so that they can expect it at 7 a.m. Central time. Um, and that's really what I'm passionate about. And then I work with several different organizations. I'm on the advisory board for the IBD Social Circle. Um, I work for Galley Health as a patient ambassador. It's an awesome app. If you should definitely check it out. It's a okay. great tool to have in your arsenal. Um, and I write for several digital health companies. So I definitely keep busy as a stay-at-home yeah. mom with Crohn's. <laughs> awesome, awesome, awesome. Well, well, again, well, well, again thank you, uh, Natalie Hayden. I said a former, former, you know, well-accomplished news, news lady. And, you know, I said, you know, and, and um, you know, creator of, you know, Lights Camera Crohn's. You know, thank you, CJ. You know, thank you, Fernika, for, for joining me today. Um, you can check out uh, Crohn's Veteran at www.cronesveteran.com. You can check us out on Anchor, on Apple, on Spotify, on Google. Um, check us out on Twitch, um, on YouTube. You know, we're everywhere. So you know, please support us. You know, we have a merch store with all with awesome you know T-shirts and all kinds of clothes and stuff. So um, it, like actually, Renika's you know modeling one of those today. And um, so yeah, please support us. You know, they, they, they thank you for the love. Thank you, Natalie, and uh, and have a great rest Thank of your you. day over there. Thank you for coming.
Thanks for having me, guys. Thanks. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you, too. Nice to meet you. Bye. 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 Bye.